Welcome back to the Solidification Podcast. I'm your host, Mary. And before I introduce today's guest, we will be covering human design information. So if you don't know the basics of what it is, I've also linked a previous episode I did in the past covering the foundations to give you some context. So with me today is Yogi and Human Design Guide. I know that's probably not the only roles you play, Jess, but she blends the studies of human design, yoga, mindset, and holistic practices in her offerings to guide people back to their inner knowing. We all want to recalibrate and align to a life that we love and Jess helps you do exactly just that in her business, Colon Unleashed. So Jess, thank you so much for being here today and welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Mary. I'm excited. <laughs> I always start off by asking how this body of work met you in your life. So can you just give us a brief rundown on how your business came to be? Sure. So it started with burnout in a career that I knew it wasn't forever. And maybe five, six years ago, I think I was hitting a wall. I was in the advertising career and I was exhausted and I knew I wanted something different. I knew I wanted to work with people in a different capacity. I just didn't know how. So I just quit my career. Well, I saved up. I prepared for it. And after that, it's almost like a series of synchronicities fell into place. People I started meeting that allow me to heal, come back to my body. And then recently in the past couple of years, human design found me when I was ready. I had set an intention that I've been starting my business for like three, four years, but it's not taking off. I know I need some additional support and I am ready went through a lot of healing therapy, holistic, you know, practices. And, you know, when you set an intention out there, it finds you in some way, in some capacity, maybe not immediately. And I was listening to a podcast and I read human design and it wasn't the first time. And I was very resistant to listening to it because the first time I had read about it, I thought it was related to designing and I was a graphic designer. I'm like, I don't want anything to do with design anymore. But little did I know when I eventually clicked on that episode, it was about our energetics. It was about human design, not designing for humans in that sense. I love it. And it's usually go-getters and high achievers. I find that go down on this turmoil of achieving and success and the rat race mentality until they come to a point where literally they're met with resistance and they realize that nothing's working. So it brings them to the, that dark night of the soul phase where they have no choice but to surrender. And I feel like that's one of the hardest things for people who are perfectionists, for go-getters like us. It's like surrendering is not something that we can do consciously. So we have to be broken down to our lowest to find new ways of growth. So I definitely empathize with you on that. And I know that human design has come into popularity the past couple of years now. I found it about two years ago, peak of COVID. Well, actually when COVID started, I think it was February, 2020. And I did the same thing as you. I set out an intention because I knew I just wanted to focus on self-mastery and healing and coming back into my connection with God or uh, the universe and life. And 
I saw human design. I looked into it just like the type of person that I am. I became obsessed with it because I started to realize that, oh my God, it makes sense. Like there's nothing wrong with me. I'm okay. I'm supposed to feel this way. And human design has just been such a game changer. And I love talking about it with people because when they learn about it, it's also like that aha moment they get. And it makes me so happy knowing that everybody is uniquely different and there's a reason why you are the way that you are and you have a huge part to play in this world. And so I love it. But human design, yeah. So it's come into popularity the past couple of years and so many coaches are teaching it now. I just love to know human design from your perspective though. So what exactly is human design and how can it help people understand their unique characteristics and potential? Well, so human design is a synthesis of many like ancient established wisdoms and systems that include the Chinese I Ching, Kabbalah, Western astrology, the Hindu Brahim chakra system, quantum physics. And what this all means when I learned about it was that it's almost like different parts of the world. People were trying to interpret, to make sense of the world, of the energy around them. And they had their own language, their own framework. And who knew years later that they were working on a piece of a bigger puzzle. And human design right now is one of these pieces that managed to bring everything together and connect them into this like new framework that is, I wouldn't say new, a different framework that shows you, hey, these are your energies right now. Maybe it's more current compared to back then. It's something that people are more open and more able to understand. And it helps you see what energies are consistent within you. Which ones do you amplify? How do you move around the world? How do you interact with others? Gotcha. It's pretty much like a reassurance that your wisdom and your intuitive knowing has been guiding you all along. And whenever the mind gets involved, you usually have doubts. But then human design, once you start reading your chart, it's like, no, you're you're on the right path. You're okay. There's nothing wrong with you. So I love it. And I like also how... Since we are starting to know that the westernized way of doing things is no longer working, how all of these ancient teachings are coming back into play. And so coming into my next question, you know, the society has conditioned us to believe that our sense of value is based on our achievements. And so the hustle culture is very prominent. And like I said, the rat race mentality is also on the rise now because of the burning desire to succeed and create an abundant life from a materialistic standpoint because people now they, they are just doing everything and whatever they think is working and they're burning out and not just predominantly work but also other aspects of their lives because they're not finding that balance so with our main theme of this conversation what is your understanding of burnout mm. That's such a great question. And I think I spent so much time in burnout out of it back in it that for me, burnout is spending time doing something that is not aligned to you over and over and over again until we deplete ourselves. And of course, there are also like physiological factors present, like being in a highly stressful environment, not getting enough rest, low immune system, not enough nutrition. All those things do come into play at the core. It's being out of alignment with who we are doing things that don't nourish us at a professional friendship level, at movement, you know, and getting lost, like you said, in the rat race, in somebody else's dream, in somebody else's ideal, almost like somebody else's design. Yeah. And I relate to that a lot just because I almost, I don't know if you can relate to this too, but I go from one extreme to the other, where if I'm passionate about something, I 
pour my whole heart and soul in it that I forget about everything else that's happening in my life. So it's kind of like a workaholic approach. Or I go and sit down on my couch, watch Netflix and binge eat all day and watch shows from shows to shows and and do that all day and totally not work. So it's like, That balance is such a hard thing to find, especially in our society nowadays, because you have all these people telling you to succeed and you're not worthy if you don't have any achievements, but also the the era of self-care, right? And not taking enough aligned action and waiting for life to happen in order to reach your goals. Within human design, I know that it can help our burnout stages. So how can it be used to identify patterns of behavior that may contribute to burnout? And what specific factors would people be looking out for? Yeah, I mean, something that was coming out when you were like sharing about your extremes, and I can totally resonate as well. I did health coaching years ago before I even quit my career. And I was at the extreme of eating only healthy things, only healthy organic And that was in itself, the mindset behind it was not healthy. It was like very dangerous territory. And I'm bringing this into this conversation because I think when we get into human design, sometimes we learn all these validating information about ourselves that we want to take it and run with what is quote unquote correct and incorrect. But again, this is an invitation to explore and look into yourself. So some patterns that can point into burnout doesn't necessarily mean that you know, you should never do that. It's never an extreme of yes or not, right or wrong. This is for us to discern and take in. But the core of being able to understand the baseline of our energetics, of how we react with conditioning, how we react when we're just ourselves, you know, help us set better boundaries and have better, I guess, even like energetic hygiene practices in a way. So some specific factors are For instance, what is consistent within you? And we talk about consistency sometimes through your defined centers. What do you project out? And in your chart, they're usually colored in. And what do you amplify? What do you take in from others? And they're meant to take in, but how do you take care of those centers that might be vulnerable? And if you look at your chart, they're the outline shape. And then another aspect is like, how do your centers connect to each other? Because that also speaks to your process? How do you take in information? Do you take in things quickly? Is your authority splenic? That means you can make decision on the spot, or you might have an emotional authority, which means you need a little bit more of time, your split definition. So you also need some time for your areas to connect to each other. You know, those little things and without getting very, very specific, this is at at a general level to start with. Just knowing that what centers do you amplify? What centers do you take in? How do you feel about it? What is your relationship to that? Do you judge yourself when you take in someone's emotional energy or do you make it feel like it's yours or something's wrong with you? Yes. Thank you for highlighting that important factor. In the beginning, you said not taking it to heart, you know, like human design. When I first learned it, the first thing they said is or my coach said was that human design is an experimental system. Like you have to experiment and it into your life because as soon as you take things too literally and too seriously then which I do (laughs) yeah it's like then you're kind of out in alignment because you're not using your own intuitive senses and your inner knowing to actually discern what is right and what is wrong for you because somehow with these healing modalities and and systems especially like western astrology or traditional astrology I mean 
It's like, I'm a Gemini. I must be this, this, and this. But it's like, you're identifying with these labels and these roles. And that's not really going to get you anywhere because you inherently know who you are and you're beyond form. You're beyond this character. But how human design actually helps you is that you can experiment with what it's teaching you and kind of make it your own, not rely on it as a crutch in order to progress in life, like you said. So thank you so much for highlighting that. And I was just wondering, I was, I'm really curious, like what is your human design energy and your profile? That's a good way to start. I was like, oh, right. Um, I am a four, six splenic projector and I have my spleen and my ego defined. That's my only channel. Interesting. I'm an I'm a four six manifesting generator. If you can tell by my energy, yeah, I was like, you, I, I think you're probably an MG, but you're a four six. Oh, hi, <laughs> yeah, four six. I'm still even like learning about like what that even means and what that entails for me because I remember learning human design for the first time. I inherently thought that all four sixes have to be the same, but we all have different skills. And yeah, we're all different. And so how do we make our profile our own? And how do we express that in our creations? And how do we serve that with other people? So you said that you're a spleen projector. And the ego centered is defined. So with your human design chart, and your inherent knowledge, how do you make decisions? So I make decisions based on my spleen, my intuition. And I've learned through human design how it speaks to me because we're all intuitive and we might use that language for like a general umbrella of things. But the way my intuition, the voice of the spleen, it's it's a bit more quiet. It's like a, a knowing. It doesn't feel like a gut feeling when I hear about it from others. It's more like a guiding voice that can be very loud when something is dangerous. And... It's very subtle. It's almost like in the background. (laughs) Gotcha. And I highlight that because I wanted to let the listeners know that we all make decisions in different ways. I remember I used to judge people for not being as fast as me, or I used to feel so belittled when I wouldn't make a fast decision like someone else would, and they would judge me for it. And so I think it's really important to signify that we're all different in that way. Making decisions isn't going to be the same for everybody else. And for me, I'm a sacral authority. So I do feel that gut pulling, but also, and I wanted to get your insight on this as well, because when I've talked to other human design coaches, they kind of get different answers, but I wanted to know from your point of view that some authorities have channels that are unconscious connected to it. Like for me, my sacral authority is connected to my spleen, but it's an unconscious channel. And your way of describing, like, what does that mean? If your main decision-making center is connected by an undefined channel. That's such a, by an unconscious channel, you mean? Yes, an unconscious channel. Yeah, that's such a great question because it does change how you might experience it. So if somebody does have it, consciously defined it's in the mind right so it's in their personality side they might notice that energy a lot more when it's unconscious that's on the body side so it's about really getting quiet into your body and seeing how that energy moves in you so in a way you are a splenic mg with the sacral like your spleen and your sacral are communicating to each other it's feeding each other information even when you're making a decision you're not you might not be super conscious of how it happens 
but they're talking to each other because they have a connection. They have a channel. Ooh, I love that. I just got goosebumps while you were talking. So I think my body was definitely, yep, yep. Whatever Jess is telling you is true. <laughs> You're like, yep, feeling it. That's what we're going through right now. <laughs> now, like we were talking about coming into the segue now, there are different profiles within human design and it's such a complex system that it's not just your energy type. There's also profiles and other things. Like once you start to learn more about it, it gets even more complex and there's so many depths of what it actually entails. But I know that there are other profiles that are more prone to burnout than others. So what are some steps you recommend that they take to prevent burnout and promote greater well-being? And what are those profiles that are more prominent to get into this kind of state? Mm, yes. So first of all, I think preventing is the best practice we can do. But sometimes I think especially with the way society is set up, prevention might not always be the only thing we're able to do. I think it's also learning how do we take care of ourselves when we are in a burnout state. And first of all, understanding, again, what channels you amplify, what are you taking, what's your type? So for instance, for sacrals or non-sacrals, they amplify the sacral energy, this life force energy that feels amazing to take in. And it gives us, because I don't have my sacral defined, a boost of energy. But our bodies, since it's not a defined center for us, we're not meant to hold on to it for long. So we don't know how to unwind from it sometimes. And the shadow expression of this center undefined is not knowing when enough is enough. So we end up pushing ourselves. So anybody with an undefined sacral notice saying like, oh, do I feel good when I'm around certain people or at my job? Yes, I'm so pumped. And then when I'm out of that environment, oh, how does my body actually feel? So that's the first sign of like, oh, okay. Because when you're in someone's energy, you might not necessarily be able to see how your body is feeling 100% because it's operating on that amplify energy. That's such a good answer. And when we want to develop strategies that's in relation to human design for managing stress and avoiding burnout in our personal and professional aspects, how can human design be used to do just that? Yeah, I think it's helpful to know your own chart and weave all the pieces together because there are other people like reflectors who amplify all the nine centers, but they also have a resiliency in them depending on their profile, depending on their conditioning. And they might be able to, you know, move in and out of energies a lot easier than let's say a projector because our aura is penetrating. So we really take in each other and then, you know, feel it deeply and then not know how to release it. So learning about your type, how does your aura work, how sensitive, not in a bad way. I think human design has given me the permission to embrace like sensitivity. It's my superpower, but also means like, how do I take care of myself when I'm out of people's energies? I also have an undefined emotional solar plexus. So sometimes around people that have a lot of emotional energy, I feel it in my body beautiful. But when I move away from it, okay, how can I release? Do I do some jumping to help my nervous system settle itself? Because the energy that I encounter with can sometimes be beautiful and a lot. So knowing that same with every center that you have, I don't know if I'm answering your question at all. No, you answered it perfectly. And an interesting thought came up while you were talking. Uh, I was going to ask you if there are certain energy types that are more prone to burnout, but it sounds like, I guess, since everybody's different and we have certain channels, undefined other channels where we can take in more than what we're used to, I guess it's kind of like an equal playing field for everybody. And it really depends on you because from what you're saying in my head, 
I thought maybe generators, you know, the builders of life of work are more prone to burnout because they're always going, going, going and building on ideas. But then I think about reflectors. And if you don't know how to manage your reflector energy that well, you're taking in everything. And that can cause you to burn out as well, even though you're unaware that it's not really your fault. It's just that you're unaware that's your energy type. And so you don't know how to let things go. Yeah. And how to take care of yourself. Because I remember when I first started studying human design, they would say, you know, oh, non-sacrals burn out. But like you said, generators also burn out. You have life force energy, but your life energy, life force energy needs to be nourished through doing what you enjoy. That is how you rebuild your energy. And then, you know, the rest of us get to share this. But if you're at a job where you do not get to pour excitement, joy, you know, be challenged, you know, however your energy wants to be used, you will burn out. It's almost like you have this supply of energy that wants to go somewhere, but it doesn't have a place to. It's not being received. It's not being recognized. And that also causes our energy to kind of go like haywire, like what is happening? Yeah. And I wanted to get your insight on this too. And I I think I know the answer, but just for our listeners, in case they overthink this, we should be looking at our human design as a whole, right? Because a lot of people sometimes project the idea that, oh, the G G center is like the thing you should focus on or how you make decision and the centers that are involved is what you need to focus on, but they all really go hand in hand, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I tell my clients and workshops. I'm like, we are holistic. We might isolate certain parts to talk about it just because, you know, it's easier, but somebody came to me recently. He's like, I want to work on my throat chakra. I'm like, sure, but you're also feeling sacral burnout. You can't clear your throat chakra if you also don't take care of your sacral, which is also your authority. Like, We need to take care of ourselves as a whole. And that can be as simple as like, what do I need right now? Like, is my body feeling tense? Maybe I need a massage. And I think when we get into like a burnout state or when we're feeling stuck in our lives, we want to search for answers. And since we get a little bit of validation when we look into our charts, we want to dig deeper for answers. But nothing can give us the answers that we're looking for because the answers are within us. And for us to excavate them, to let them unfold. We need to be in a, I guess, a more relaxed state. We need to be able to welcome inspiration in order for clarity to find us. Yes. And I wanted to get your point of view of, you know, pivoting now to your nervous system and alignment. Whenever we get into states of work mode or inspirations come flowing in, in our bodies, and we feel like we need to take action. um, Most of us, you know, we do it right away. But other times when we know our chart and maybe we're thinking about things that don't concern us at all, and then we, we overanalyze it to the point where we start stressing out on, on them, being like we don't have enough time or we're just so frazzled with so many different ideas that we actually don't even start. How do you personally regulate your own nervous system and come back into alignment? Like, What are some practices that you recommend 
Oh, Mary, I just want to say, like, your questions are so thoughtful. I love them. Thank you. (laughs) I'm actually very, very, like, curious, and I really want to know these things. And so, like, I'm I'm deep into this. Yeah, yeah. And it's such a great question. So I think when we learn about, like, the baseline of our chart and then understand what is our openness, what do we amplify? An example that I often use is, like, I have a completely open head and Ajna center, So when those areas are open, you are amplifying, taking in, and the head is a pressure center, the questions, the inspirations from all around us. So we are inspired all the time. We will go into deep rabbit holes if we have a question, we want to figure it out. But we're not meant to make decisions from that openness. We're not meant to make decisions from what we amplify because it's not our authority. It's not what grounds us, right? We're here to sample it. It can inform us. So patience is something that I've learned so much with my chart because I have so many ideas, so many questions, random things in life that comes to me. But unless my strategy and my authority are aligned, I'm like, what is a good example? It's almost like a slot machine where all the symbols align. And it's like go time. You know, that's kind of what it is. Strategy and authority aligning along with whatever idea, whatever inspiration you're feeling pull. Then you have the energetic burst to do it, to make it happen. But most often for every single type, even if you're a manifester, even if you have ego authority, which means you're able to bring what you want through your will almost, you still have to wait. You have to wait for your urge. You have to wait for your energies to align. Timing is something we have no control of. So what do we do in between? We take care of ourselves. What does our body need? How can I nourish myself in the present? If I am stuck at a nine to five job because I have bills to pay, how can I at the end of the day, recognize, okay, I might have amplified that sacral energy. I'm feeling a lot of adrenaline in my body. How do I soothe it? Maybe some yoga practices, maybe talking to someone, maybe like snuggling to someone. A lot of people have a lot of community circuit and touch is such a big way for their bodies or minds to feel relaxed and supported. So again, learning about those little details will help, you know, you know, build a toolkit of the things that can help you get back into your body and also know what you need when. Yes, I love it. While you're talking, you've reassured me and my energy type so much of things I've been overthinking. <laughs> That's you do that, right? <laughs> yeah. And since I can kind of relate to you how I make decisions based on my sacral, but it is connected to the spleen. So in a sense, it is an intuitive guidance. And from my own personal experience, I have an open G center. And so uh, you can imagine how many times and wherever places life has taken me and I, I followed not knowing exactly who to follow, whether that's my heart or my head. And I think that's what human design has really changed in me that I've always knew all along what was right for me. But sometimes And this is something that I've learned recently. Sometimes we get pressured, especially when starting out in human design, to make decisions strictly based on our strategy and authority. But what I've learned from my own experiments is that even if you're taken through so many different directions by life, it doesn't mean that if you do give into that, that you're making a mistake. Because I think I've shamed myself a lot of the times. Why did I go in that relationship? Why did I go here when I should have just listened to my gut? And, And there's a lot of shame that came with that. And I mean, I'm sure you could amplify this as well, this message that 
it's okay, you know, like it's okay for taking in different directions because eventually they teach us something. And sometimes we have to experience where our mind takes us in order to actually get to where we want to go. It's like a redirection. And so can you just talk a little bit about like shame and guilt that we feel, especially when starting out in this human design chapter in our lives that it's all right. Like it's okay to make mistakes, especially when you first start out, because it's a lot of information thrown at you. And even within the human design system, you could get lost and you could rely on this so much that you forget about your inherent knowledge. Oh, I mean, you said it all, but thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing because definitely it becomes this almost like this Bible we hold our lives to, to live by. And this is not the point of it. Shame definitely comes in, especially if we're perfectionists, right? With that in our personalities, we want to do things right and we want to live our designs right. But that becomes a very mental thing when it doesn't allow us to embody the things that we've learned because we're so in our heads, getting in our own ways, trying not to make a mistake. But living life is making mistakes. It's, you know, taking the wrong turns and then coming back from it. And some lessons are painful, but when we spend so much time and energy shaming ourselves or regretting what we've already done, or, you know, second guessing every decision we make, we actually tune out our inner guidance even more because we're giving our power away to something that is supposed to expand and support us or also to people. I have people coming to me. It's like, tell me what to do now. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I cannot. I, maybe some other coaches can help that. But for me, I'm like, I just want to guide you back to yourself, your inner knowing and help you live life in a way that is more about softening into yourself, not thinking that you're making anything wrong. You cannot do any wrong. Like, what if we live life with this mindset that every decision I make is here to support me, either to learn or to show me another path? Because at the end of the day, we can learn about our energies, but we don't get to control them. We don't get to control when our inspiration will hit. We don't get to control when I will amplify someone's sacral and I will get all my work done. I don't control this. It's my body that tells me what it needs. It's, you know, the transits, the people around us that we are all part of and we are influenced by. And again, like you said, the mental awareness is beautiful. The inspiration is beautiful, but it's learning to like put that in the back when we're living life, not letting that be our main operating system, because it can support us in many ways, but it can also sabotage us. But our body wisdom, it doesn't lie. Like when you're hungry, it's not going to lie unless you're, you know, trying to not be hungry. And then, you know, that's what we get misaligned when our bodies are telling us one thing and we're trying to tell it to do something else. Mm, yes. I love that because, oh, there's just so much that I've learned, so much wisdom our bodies have. And there was a prominent message that my human design coach in the past kept saying that like, once your mind gets involved, that's when you start worrying and panicking. And even when you're in that state, your body is telling you that you're not in the right state. <laughs> so when you're following your human design with your heart, like what you were saying, this playful and innocent energy comes into play. And we don't have to take it so seriously that we become perfectionist and try to live life as perfect as we can, but we can come into it with the awareness and the consciousness that 
everything in life is here to teach me something. And what a beautiful thing to take on and embody so that we can start to inspire people around us who may or may not know about human design, but like our energy speaks for itself when we come into it with such a playful energy and no seriousness. And so thank you for highlighting that. And I wanted to know your experiences with working with clients or even family and friends. What are some success stories of individuals that you can share who've used human design to overcome burnout and achieve greater balance in their lives, just so we can learn examples of how it can unfold for us? Mm, Yes, definitely. Examples help my brain (laughs) get things sometimes. And it also shows us a direction that it's possible for us. The main thing that I've noticed around my clients is that a lot more allowing themselves to be who they are. Like, yeah, I'm going through a moody day. I'm very emotional right now. So I just, you know, told my husband and I'm watching some shows by myself. And I think that when you look online space, people are like, usually the sales are what is taking prominence or like, I managed to drop that weight. I managed to make that much money. But for me and my clients, it's the little things. It's almost like I allow myself to be in my emotional wave. I told someone that I needed time before I made a decision. Oh, I allow myself to hermit if I have a two in a profile. And it's just this allowing of who we are and to express more of that and be loved, love more in return. And then the way they show up is just different. Like it's an it's a different frequency once you're in that space, when you see that someone's comfortable with themselves. Yes. And also not even just learning, amplifying the importance of learning about our human design chart on an individual basis. But also I find that learning about your family, your friends, your partner's charts as well helps so much. I feel like that is the future of our generation is learning how other individuals work energetically and coming from the standpoint of using that modality in order to communicate better in order to show up for them better because a lot of us especially when if we're in the coaching or the spiritual community we tend to want to fix we tend to want to save people and the world and it's a good desire to have to want to make the world a better place but it's in the mundane things it's the the talking to your partner in a way that feels safe for them that i feel is like so important and and brings you closer into alignment and i'm sure you've seen that in your life and in your clients and how it plays out must be beautiful because you have this awareness and all of this background information of their human design charts. And so I really love the promotion of learning about your friends and families charts, just so you can live in an energetic space where you feel safe and you feel heard and understood. Yes, I recently did a connection chart and it was a connection chart reading and it was like they were, you know, working on each other for the longest time. But when you're able to talk about energies, it's almost like we take a step back and things are no longer personal. Like you're not being a jerk because of X, Y and Z. It's actually your energy. And this is not to like give people excuses or, you know, some people can be toxic, but it gives us an understanding of like, oh, like. This is how your energy moves. So you, you reacted this way while my focus, my communication is in this sign and I tend to do it that way. 
So that gave them like an extra layer of understanding. And it does not replace therapy because <laughs> my client was like, this is so much more useful than therapy. I'm like, well, but you also still need the coping skills to regulate, to try to talk to each other. But knowing this is like an additional tool in our toolkit, right? But also be careful of not weaponizing it. Sometimes I have to tell myself like, don't weaponize it. Or like when I read about my parents' charm, I was like, oh, I get it now. I'm like, oh, it's your emotional energy doing this to me, mom. <laughs> so we're human, they're humans. That's, you know, the end of the day, <laughs> can't change that. <laughs> yes, and that goes the same way for kids, you know, in parenthood, when, when you have future kids, it's like, I think about when I have kids, the first thing I'm doing is pulling out their human design charm. <laughs> Yeah, because then you know, like all the things you're trying is like, why doesn't it work? Maybe their process is a certain way. Yes. And it helps so much. I think about sometimes like if my parents just raised me in the way my chart was, if they had this awareness, I wouldn't have gotten in so much trouble and they wouldn't have been so stressed in my teenage life. <laughs> right. But then a part of me, I don't know if that's our sixth sign. I'm like, some lessons have to be learned the hard way. Sometimes, mm. not all of them, but I'm like, ugh. I remember hearing a quote from a speaker a while back saying like, because we want to heal, we want to help others. You can't deprive someone of their rock bottom. You can be there to support them. But if that's their rock bottom and that's how they're going to climb out of it, you can't take that away from them. You can't try to help them midway through. And I've seen it at the beginning of my career with my loved ones where I wanted to help so much and I could see you know, projector unsolicited advice <laughs> where I would feel like they come to me for advice, but none of them would do anything, but it was like, they weren't ready yet. But mm. when they are, you, you're there. Yeah. And I feel like that's the beauty of extremes, right? Like you said, sometimes we have to go through the tough decisions and the mistakes, even though there's a voice behind the scenes being like, oh, that's not the right way to do it. But we still decide to go the other way because we want to experience it. Let's go on an adventure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like from 20 to 30, you're trialing and erroring anyway. So yeah, might as well go all the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I see that within the people in my lives now, especially people that are older than me that I'm friends with or something like we go through different phases in life. And I see how the energetics of who they become to be really shift. And sometimes we can get impatient on why am I not as wise as I want? Want and why am I not the teacher that I want yet? It's because you're in that stage of still taking in knowledge and experimenting with what life gives you that you're not ready for that stage yet. And so it's like, don't compare yourself and also enjoy what you have right now because the journey, as cliche as it sounds, is what matters. Yeah. Yeah. And how do we take care of ourselves? If you're feeling all that anxiety, that's okay. What are some tools? Who can you talk to? Because I think we already covered this already, but like we can get into this fixing and fixing and human design gives us such a validating experience of making ourselves feel seen. But some energies are meant for the collective. You know, we talked about wanting to fix and the 1858, the channel of judgment can be so judgy and they're here to judge and see all the things that are not working. But that energy is not meant for their personal lives or their relationships. So I think finding that like extra layer of depth into our human designs, it's like, oh, we have energies that are here for the collective, that are here for the community. And it's not meant to turn it in our own sense of worth, but because we don't know, because energy is neutral, 
we might use it that way. So something, something to note. Mm, yes. And for someone who's in the midst of stress, like right now, needing clarity or alignment, you know, what advice would you give to someone who is experiencing burnout and is interested in exploring the potential benefits of human design? Because there's a lot of information out there, but what is a good starting point? Mm, I, I thought about this one for a while because some people come to me and they just want to fix, wanted to go away. And I totally understand it. I was in that space for a few years. And if you're exploring your human design, dive in, have fun. My personal recommendation is when you notice the urge to fix or to move out of it, instead, can you shift the focus to how can I nourish myself right now? Like, what does my body need? It's not about figuring the rest of your life or how to change everything in your life because that can add to the overwhelm we're already experiencing, where our body is already depleted, where we're already burning out. Like, we don't have the capacity to feel inspired and try to solve it. And it can be something as simple as like, I'm going to watch Netflix for an hour and then maybe I'll go for a walk. Doing those little things where we work with our bodies, when we tend to our bodies, tend to open up the path ahead of us and gives us more clarity in our own inner guidance. Yes, especially for perfectionists. It's like when we have this urge to like get something done because we want to feel peace. And so we rely on getting something done before we become happy and be in a state of presence. I've learned that, you know, this takes practice, especially if you've been living your whole life like this in a state of manic and urgency that it's not just going to go away overnight. And so I think that practice, like you said, of self-compassion, when you catch yourself, are you giving yourself too much pressure or are you giving into pressure that's not necessarily there to get something done because you don't feel worthy at the moment? Or can you just self-soothe? Can you give yourself some grace and just be compassionate and slow down even more? Because inherently that's what your body is needing. And sometimes we have to slow down to speed up. Yes, definitely. And slowing down can be scary. So ask for support. Like, are there friends? Is there a therapist? And that's something that took me a long time because I'm like, I'm independent. I can figure things out. I'm fine. Oh, everything is burning around me. Like the meme. I think there's (laughs) a meme. (laughs) Oh my God. I can relate to that. You know, asking for help is one of the hardest things for me because I don't like relying on people. I feel like I can do everything myself until... You know, we go through a dark night of the soul and we burn out and we get so stressed that we can't possibly hold space for anything else in our lives that I finally gave in and gave up and was like, okay, like I actually need help and working with coaches and and spiritual entrepreneurs and holistic health like yourself has been a game changer because they help you save time. Even though I know time is a non-existent in the spiritual world, in a practical one, they help you save time and they help remind you that you're not alone in this. And so within human design now, how do you see the relationship within human design and burnout evolving as our work and personal lives continue to evolve in the coming years? I think burnout is definitely a symptom that you know, individuals and society as a whole are experiencing more of of, because of pushing ourselves outside of our centers for way too long. And human design is one of many tools that can help bring you back to your center, to your essence. But the living, the embodying part is something we have to go through ourselves. We have to walk the talk and that takes time. 
But I think with, you know, the accelerated awakening in the past 10, five, three past year, even in our consciousness, people are realizing that they've been dormant, they've been surviving. And I think they're waking up to wanting to take their autonomy back. And human design can be a tool to help you do that, just like there are other tools out there. And perhaps burnout, just like the concept of the not self in human design, quote unquote, it's a guidepost to check in. Because even when we're in the not self is ourself. I don't like the language of using not self because there are very much parts of ourselves that are perhaps traumatized that need some extra support. But the shadow expressions that feels for me more expensive, you know, when we're in the shadow expressions, those are the opportunities for us to recognize where we're at. And then, okay, what do we need? How can we realign? Because we're always moving. We're not static. So we're going to get out of alignment. How do we bring ourselves back? That's a game. That's the juggle of balance. Yes. And I love how you highlighted that you don't like certain terminology and language because it helps so much. Like language is such a huge part of our vibrational state, the the words that we speak. And like sometimes when you hear the not self, it's it kind of gives off this like, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. But just like you said, it's like all of these parts we have to embrace within ourselves in order to actually transmute the shadow sides and and sustain this state of evolution. And so thank you for highlighting that because I think that's so important to know. We have to approach these modalities in a way where we're not looking at anything as wrong or right, but as inherently neutral and that all parts of ourselves is lovable. So now I want to talk about Whole and Unleashed. I know that's kind of like your business and you have a lot of offerings there. And from our conversation, you know, that was a lot to take in. And so we'll leave it at that. But there's room for listeners to contemplate on this and maybe check out some of your work. So tell us about Whole and Unleashed. Whole and Unleashed is a place to come back to yourself where I've been sharing for years, like some yoga practices, they might be buried in the archive, but to connect to your body. And then there's also articles on human design to understand your energetics a little bit more. There's also Mm -hmm. the Whole and Unleashed podcast. It just wrapped up season two last year. Um, I'm taking a little break before hopping in the new season, but yeah, it's just conversations with people that have gone through burnout that are trying to figure themselves out, but also Listening to their stories can be so inspiring and help us see ourselves reflected in each other. Mm, I think that's like a four six thing because I love. I mean, I have the pod this podcast for the same reason. It's like bringing people together into safe space where you can relate and and learn resources that may be helpful for you in your own evolution. And so, oh my god, it's so nice to talk to a fellow four six and feel validated in so many ways. I agree. I resonate with so many of your shares as well. I'm like, yes, I've been there. The perfectionist the striving. Yes. And I love it. And I'll also link your information in the show notes in case people want to work with you. But what are some offerings that you have right now within your work? Currently, I have readings for foundational or advanced for people who've been doing human design for a little bit and they want to go deeper into the gates. Um, I also have a guide for Anybody who just wants to read about their energetics and you can find it on the website. Oh my gosh. And it's so funny because I was checking out your work, obviously. And it's funny how that I learned about you through my husband. He like follows you. And and then he sends me some of these like helpful posts you have and all of your 
sharings are so potent, like they give so much value. And so I just want to encourage the listeners to check Jess's work out because she has so many free stuff on there that can help you learn more about certain gates, channels, and overall just how to live a holistic life. And so thank you so much, Jess, for sharing your time with me and for doing all the work that you do. You give off such a relaxing, grounding, patient vibe, which is a huge plus for someone who's dealing with burnout. So I just want to express my gratitude once again for your time and service. Oh, thank you so much, Mary. I was also listening to your podcast. I appreciate what you do. And I love what you're sharing and helping the collective heal and awaken to themselves. It's time we need more people like us. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm sure we'll come back together for a part two somehow. I know it. I love your energy and I'd love to have you on again. But for the meantime, thank you so much for introducing yourselves in my energetic space. And I hope you get exactly tenfolds of what you offer because you're just so valuable in the space of not just healing but acceptance self-acceptance and really coming back to our innate wisdom and being such a messenger of that so thank you thank you